0: You're listening to B2B Nation, a podcast from Technology Advice, designed to help marketers navigate the modern B2B buyer's journey. Here's your host, Mike Pastor. Account-based marketing should, by now, be familiar to anyone who spent time around B2B marketing. So familiar, in fact, that I increasingly hear marketers who no longer distinguish between ABM and just good old-fashioned B2B marketing. When you're using ABM, you put a name to the companies you want to do business with, and that means you're being more efficient. No more casting wide nets to see what you haul in. I love
1: to think of it as taking the old funnel and making it just skinnier and shorter. So you are fundamentally changing uh, the, the situation that many marketers have had to deal with, where you have to sort of cast this really, really wide net and wait and see um, what happens and hope you're in the right places, but you still don't really have control and you can really marry your inbound and the outbound much more together um, and create those efficiencies.
0: That's Randy Barshak, the CMO of RollWorks. And on this episode of B2B Nation, Randy and I are discussing ABM, the eternal challenge of sales marketing alignment and how Randy and her team stand out among all that noise in the market for marketing technologies. Welcome to B2B Nation. Randy Barshak, welcome to B2B Nation. Why don't you take a minute and tell us who you are and what you do?
1: Sure, Um, thanks for having me. Uh, My name is Randy Barshak. I am the CMO of RollWorks and I have the honor of uh, heading up a fantastic team of marketers at RollWorks and also working with some of the best marketers on the planet Uh, when I work with our customers, uh, the customers of RollWorks.
0: All right, so let's talk about ABM, account-based marketing. Increasingly, I feel like I hear marketers say things like, ABM is just good marketing. Have we reached the point where ABM is just the way that B2B marketers should be operating these days? So I'm
1: a little biased when it comes to answering that question. Although I have to tell you, uh, prior to joining RollWorks, I I was not in the MarTech industry. And there, there may or may not be a video of me floating out there where I somewhat disparage the term. Um, And part of that is because of all the hype built around it and so many buzzwords and very few people just getting to the essence of what it is. So at its essence, ABM enables incredible levels of efficiency. So in that regard, yes, absolutely. I mean, who would not want to be more efficient? Maybe there are some marketers out there that wouldn't want to be more efficient, but I've yet to find one. So in that regard, I think, yes, ABM is good marketing, but there's multiple layers to unpack beneath that. And I think it's not like having an ABM solution is a magic wand that will change all of the behaviors that ABM will enable. It it takes a mindset first and foremost, and then you look for the solutions and technologies that'll get you there. So the, the biggest difference I would say for for people really kind of new to the industry is I'd say there, there almost were two generations of ABM. The early earlier generation of ABM was really more about named accounts. And that was a subset of accounts that were surrounded by marketing efforts. And that also, there's a bit of a no-brainer if you have the resources and you can do that. And you have uh, a handful of accounts that it's very important to have hand-to-hand combat um, and surround them with marketing efforts, they, it can move the needle. And that was kind of the first generation of ABM. The newer generation of ABM is really about ABM at scale. And it's, it, it's about no longer living with the theoretical attributes of an account, but literally the name. So you use all of the underlying data to, by name, know exactly which accounts matter to you the most, and matter a little bit less, but still matter, and which accounts don't matter at all. So it's a way to kind of put a name on the accounts that work for you and to understand their priorities and then read any number of signals that might change at any given time. Like if those accounts are exhibiting intent or if they're engaging with you or if something changes about the account. And so in that means uh, you can just become drastically more efficient. I, I love to think of it as, taking the old funnel and making it just skinnier and shorter. So you are fundamentally changing the, the situation that many marketers have had to deal with, where you have to sort of cast this really, really wide net and wait and see what happens and hope you're in the right places, but you still don't really have control. And you can really marry your inbound and the outbound much more together and create those efficiencies. So I, I, in that regard, yes, I would say ABM is good marketing.
0: One of the early promises of ABM was that it was a strategy that would finally align sales and marketing. And do you think that ABM has improved that famously contentious relationship? I know at our Demand Fest event back in April, Scott Vaughn was the speaker and he suggested marketing and sales will never align and we should give up on the idea entirely. Where do you fall on that?
1: Um, I am, um, uh, as you can tell, I'm not giving simple answers here, and I'm sort of smirking as you as you say that. Um, it, good ABM is about, uh, like I mentioned earlier, a good ABM is about like literally knowing down to the account how valuable an account's going to be for you as a customer, and so it is an objective, and and the, that list is by and large derived. Uh, Algorithmically, um, or or at least if not using a sophisticated algorithm, at least based on objective data. So that I I liken it to a bingo card, to sales and marketing playing the same bingo card but in different rooms. And so now you can communicate. If B eleven comes up, you know whether that's on your card or not. And so it aligns. um, It aligns the conversation around a centralized set of data that represents the accounts. So in that regard. Having an ABM mentality will help align sales and marketing. Now, there's a bit of a vicious cycle here because if you're not aligned or at least akin to alignment, you're not going to get there to begin with. So I talk to marketers all the time who say, well, sales just, they won't even come to the meeting. They won't give us a list of who they're outbounding to. that seems to me ludicrous. Why would you not give your marketing team a list of who you're outbounding to if they can increase the likelihood you're going to connect using ABM? Um, So there are sometimes, I I don't know what rating this uh, show is, so I won't use the word that's immediately coming to mind, but sometimes there are difficult personalities on both sides of the fence, right? There are uh, salespeople who just don't see the value in marketing, want to go do their own thing. There are marketers out there who think their job uh, ends at handing leads over a fence and they just kind of can't uh, wrap their head around the fact that ultimately we're driving business. So there there are bad apples and uninformed apples. on both sides, I would say. In that case, you can adopt all the, the solutions you want and, and change manage you want. If you've got, if you've got people, um, individuals, or teams where the culture is just not about collaboration, nothing's going to fix that. But philosophically, it is about alignment. And then you go get solutions that foster the alignment and you create whatever the opposite of a vicious cycle is what is the opposite of a vicious cycle? A friendly circle, <laughs> <It's> a friendly <laughs> cycle. You create a cycle of collaboration and it's no longer about just like, hey, we get along, but it's about, it, it's a data-driven collaboration.
0: The landscape for MarTech solutions is famously crowded. If you work in marketing or even in technology, you've seen Scott Brinker's infographic chart that lists all the players and all the solutions. What is your strategy for making your solution stand out in all that noise?
1: Yeah, and I think the, the most recent one just came out a, a few months ago, and I think the MarTech 5000 is now over 9000 solutions. It is an eyesore. I mean, it is. It, there are a lot of logos on that slide. Um there's, I'd say there's two ways we stand out uh, or, or two, two things I do as a CMO to help, our, to help us stand out. Um, one is when we have uh, onboarding at our company, that actually is the first slide I show. It's not meant to overwhelm individuals, but it, it, I think it sets the stage for, for what we're dealing with as providers But more importantly, what marketers are contending with on a daily basis in terms of 9000 different vendors out there, all thinking that the most important thing I can do on that day is drop everything and accept their one hour appointment request or connect with me on LinkedIn because because their solution is the most important thing that I need out there. Right. So. I use it uh, when I'm talking to our sales organization and our marketing org to just immediately develop a set, a sense of empathy for what marketers are up against. And it's not just it's not just the banging on the door and the presumption that everybody's you know, vying for your attention and that 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 you owe them your time. But also that the reality of the, that, the technologies are changing all of the time and that there are things we should and need to be investigating as marketers to keep ahead of ourselves, but it is very, very overwhelming to to break through the noise. So even if you just are empathetic to that and it changes the way you connect with people and the way you respect people's time um, and marketers times and the the stories you're telling them, I think that is the first step. The second is almost diametrically, the second thing I do is almost diametrically opposite, um, which is not to get overly obsessed with the competition. Get overly obsessed with your customers, focus on telling their stories, focus on the value you're delivering one-on-one and the rest goes away. You know, if you, if you have a good marriage, you're not like looking over your shoulder every day to see, you know, if there's someone better looking uh, than you, that your spouse might be eyeing. Just, just, I don't know if that was the best analogy or not, but, but just, um just focus on bringing value to the customers in the segment that you're serving. and being passionate about those stories than passionate about the chest thumping, uh, you know, posturing between vendors. And honestly, I think that happens too much that vendors are all about talking about why they're better and not focusing in on, look, maybe they can do it. Maybe they can't, but let me just tell you what I can do for you. Let me tell you how we can partner together and what you can expect. And if that's better somewhere else, hey, I'm happy for you. But I believe, you know, we can add value here.
0: So for what feels like quite some time, there has been uh, clouds on the economic horizon. We've seen increased layoff activity, especially in tech. What's your advice for marketers on maintaining or growing demand in a down economy?
1: By the way, I don't think those clouds are just they are the clouds. I just I can't even watch the news anymore. Um, <laughs> the best advice, you know, it's some of the things, honestly, that we've been speaking about. Right. Um, first of all, we you know, we were talking earlier about past lives. So we've seen multiple iterations of clouds coming and going. We've seen clouds, thunder, sunshine, rainbows, unicorn. I mean, we've seen it all. Right. So this too shall pass. Um, And I, you know, you sometimes see people in their careers where it's the first time they're contending with something like this and it's all panic. This too shall pass. Don't lose focus of the business, right? As marketers, our jobs are not to deliver leads. Our jobs are to help close business and help maintain customers. So don't, don't lose sight of that. If we're delivering leads or MQLs or whatever it is, it's it's in the service of growing our business, and so align your team around ultimately what you're trying to do as a company, and look for the efficiencies. I mean, obviously, I'm really passionate about the efficiencies you get from ABM, but look for efficiencies otherwise. Whether it's reusing content in multiple places or using contractors where you don't have uh, space to hire, or we went through an exercise with our team of, of we put out all of our plans for the second half of the year, but then others on the team have to literally like put a little sticker dot on anything that's getting produced to say, I have someplace that I'm going to use this or where I can need it. And and if it didn't get consumed and there wasn't somebody excited about consuming it, we were second guessing whether we needed something or not. So, you know, kind of a reset that way helps you get through. In some cases, we have customers where their entire ICP, our ideal customer profile is changing, right? And again, a little bit of a plug for our solution, but that enables you to say, okay, it's no longer this industry where you're gonna have the most success. It's that industry or it's this industry, but with a different product. And so change really quickly, align with your sales team and reorient yourself. Right. You know, hey, there's a snowstorm, you know, where we thought we were going again, referencing our earlier conversation. So let's go west instead. Right. And what does that mean? So pivoting really quickly, but but pivoting with all of the stakeholders, not sort of pivoting on your own and changing things on your own.
0: Yeah. There's been so much reorienting over the past couple of years that it's like it's not even reorienting anymore. It's just normal to just go. Like you said, industries, you know, there are industries that are kind of given up for dead, right? A couple of years yeah. ago. and you say, well, there's no business there anymore. And I think a lot of smart companies found ways to maintain their business, even grow their business just by looking, you know, how could we use what we do elsewhere?
1: Yeah, pivoting. And I mean, you know, I think early pandemic, we all thought some company like airbnb was was gone, right? No one's going to travel, and then very quickly, you know, suddenly there was an entirely different purpose and use for for companies like Airbnb, right? They were able to pivot. And so I think we'll see that again. Yes, there's a lot of change uh, constantly. Absolutely.
0: What is your favorite tool? This is the question we ask just about everybody on the B2B Nation podcast. What's the thing you can't work without? Our usual rules apply here. You can't say Roleworks and you can't say your phone unless you're citing a specific app.
1: I know. I knew you were. And I know that that's a question you ask. And it's really a hard one. Um, And I probably can't say Wordle. So I won't say Wordle, though. That is like that's my new coffee. I I feel like uh, the icebreaker uh, now is what's your Wordle start word? And mine is peace, by the way. Um, Mine's a dream. uh, Dream. So we're very aligned there. Yeah, mine's the hippie piece, (laughs) not the pizza, uh, not the piece of pizza piece. So I don't want to say slack even though probably the real answer is Slack, because I, I, it's just a love-hate relationship. So instead of Slack, I think I might say Google Calendars. And part of it is we've really struggled, you know, you struggle with communicating as you have distributed teams, and I now have a very distributed team. And so we've recently kind of refallen fallen in love with Google Calendars to be able to share plans. We've tried a few different tools but Google Calendar is a way you can, you know, kind of subscribe to multiple calendars and see in a snapshot what's going on and that you that you might normally, you know, previous times have picked up through office chatter, or just like talking to people, knowing what's going on. So feel a little bit more connected with Google Calendar.
0: I feel like Slack has sort of picked up the mantle that maybe BlackBerry had and email had where it was like, I hate this thing but i can't put it down or stop looking at
1: it yeah it's a love hate relation i'm looking at slack right now I, it's a love hate relationship <laughs> by the way i just discovered i did not realize you can create multiple um you you can you have your starred and unstarred channels but you can create hierarchy so that was a new discovery for me so i i'm excited now to be able to have uh, different categories of slack that's Maybe another that's there.
0: that's another thing that Slack has brought from like every other software application, you probably only know how to use like 15% of the features, right? Right. (laughs) Randy Barshak from RollWorks. Thanks for taking the time to appear on B2B Nation. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Randy Barshak for joining us on this episode of the B2B Nation podcast. Want more resources for B2B marketers by B2B marketers? All you got to do is follow B2B Nation from Technology Advice on LinkedIn. Thanks to the Technology Advice team, Amy Dunn, KJ Pace, and Hunter Hill. Mnemonics in the Guild wrote our theme song. We'll catch you next time on B2B Nation.